0: Welcome to Automators. I'm David Sparks, and joined by my fellow co-host, Rosemary Orchard.
1: Hi, Rose. Hey, David. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great, and I'm super happy today because we have a guest on the show. Welcome to the show, Ken Case. Hi, Evan. Thank you. It's Nice to be here. Ken, it's great having you on. Ken is one of the, uh, the head honchos over at the Omni Group, and uh, Ken is a developer, but also an automation nerd, and... Uh, Ken and Rose and I have had many conversations between us over the years about automation and and how to make uh, all those great Omni apps become more automation-friendly. And they've recently made some big strides. So we want to talk about getting automation into the Omni Group apps. But we also want to hear uh, Ken's automation story and get some great automations out of Ken today. So so thanks for uh, being willing to come on
2: and share all this, Ken. Oh, you bet. Uh, Again, I appreciate your inviting me to be here, and uh, I look forward to talking some automation stuff with you guys. Well,
0: I mean, I feel like, and I've probably said this on Mac Power using this show many times, but one of my key automations is all that great scripting you did for OmniFocus years ago, the template scripting. Um, For the longest time, there were these kind of uh, systems to do automated templating with OmniFocus, but none of them were really that. Solid, you know, they were all kind of things bandaged together, and then I think you did it over a weekend or something. I, f- I forget the kind of the lore behind it, but like <laughs> you put together this <laughs> this automation for templating new projects in OmniFocus, and it's amazing because it just uses task paper formatting. I did like a big v- section mm-hmm. of the OmniFocus field guide is dedicated to this because I think I create more tasks in OmniFocus using your automation than I do actually physically typing them in.
2: Well, I'm glad that that uh, has made a difference for you. I know uh, that I was seeing a number of customers trying to find ways of getting their templates organized and having it work efficiently. And, and I was trying to help them make it work the way it was working. And so I, you know, I first came up with a, a simple automation that would do this sort of URL-based, uh, maybe I should back up, OmniFocus has always had this URL-based automation stuff built into it on the iPhone because we wanted some way to capture from Safari and there weren't uh, system APIs for t- apps talking to each other. Yeah. So, we, uh, so we came up with this URL thing where we thought, well, at least let you take the current pay- web page and add it to a task. So you could send a note and a name and, uh, and it would get captured into OmniFocus. So people started using that as a mechanism to automate things and they wanted it to you know, come back and build a whole project of stuff. And I realized, as I helped them kind of get that working, that this back and forth from one app to the other for every single task you were adding—you know—if you had a thirty uh, task project or a sixty task project, you might be sitting there a few minutes just watching flip back and forth between apps. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that was that was when I decided, well, maybe there's an easier way we could go forward. Let's build um, some task paper support into OmniFocus automation and. And uh, then you can do it with one round trip and it's much, much faster. Well, well,
0: one of the things I love about you, Ken, is, you know, that you you run the company, but you also are, you love to get into the code. I know that being on the betas for uh, some of the apps that you've worked on over the years, I I would get these builds from you at like one in the morning. And I'm like, this guy is like, you're (laughs) you're still 100% in on making your apps better in addition to just trying to hold that big company together
2: well it's it's a lot of fun, I think really, just working uh with the code and with computers and how you know the ways computers can uh help you do new things for me, the line between developing an app and uh building automations is a very blurry line because i'm I'm a developer so uh so you know I might start out with something really simple and then uh you know like this u r l thing and then think, well. But we could do a little bit of code in the native app that would make it easier on that end, and then we can have them talk to each other. And suddenly, uh, it it becomes a little bit more advanced and, and flexible.
1: Yeah. And that's the great thing about Task Paper, especially for me. You know, it started with, um, you know, the fact that, hey, I can write like a whole list of tasks here, like 10, 15 tasks. And, you know, say, for example, an episode of Automators, preparing for that, doing the recording, after the recording, that all takes like a certain amount of work and a certain number of tasks. But the tasks, regardless of the show... Tend to have the same sort of framework. Now I may go in and add a few extra tiles for an episode. You know, like research everything that Ken Case has ever done, uh, which turns out is a very long list of things. Uh, but uh, um, you know, I, I I can go in and do that. Um, but I I love the fact that I can go into OmniFocus and I you've made it really easy for people to automate with the task paper because you can create an actual project inside of OmniFocus and then you can copy that as task paper. Um, And I I feel like that is the sort of automation that people who are maybe nervous about automating task management, because, you know, your task management system for many people is your life. Um, And, you know, if you're nervous about automating, you can start by copying the task paper and then you can paste it into drafts or shortcuts and just add it back um and that that's a very simple way to get started um without putting a lot of work on the user so i would say that that's that's been really useful for me there over the years
0: this is a great entry point if you're doing task management and OmniFocus. if you've got any kind of work or family related related project that you do repetitively repetitively sorry guys i seem to have trouble with the english language today but um you can just build a little script to template it, and then you can run that as a shortcut. I've got, I've probably got like 30 or 40 different shortcuts that create projects in OmniFocus between the law
2: practice and Max Sparky and different things I do.
1: Mm-hmm. Same, same, yeah. And I, I still have some stuff actually in editorial.
2: Copy and paste is sort of an entry point to automation, I think, if, uh, if apps support copy and paste in the first place, which... Uh, you know, we used to just kind of assume that that was a built-in part of the Mac experience, that if you wanted a good Mac app, you should be able to select things and copy them and paste them and duplicate them and, and undo and redo and so on. Uh, that's not quite as easy to assume these days as it used to be. But, uh, but yeah, the easiest way to start out by with, uh, you know, some sort of automation is to build the thing you want and then just say, I want to copy this and then paste it uh, and then make your edits. Um and if you're able to paste it into like a plain text file, which is what we did with this uh, task paper exchange format, uh, then you can copy and paste it into editorial or whatever your favorite text editor is, run a script on it that changes, you know, the template keywords around, and then mm-hmm. uh, copy it back into, uh, into OmniFocus to now have your new, new project. And so that's effectively what that automation um, started out as and, and does.
1: And and I was going to say, and since then, of course, we we've got shortcuts. Um, you know, because I think when you first started this, you it, it was all in editorial with Python uh, on iOS. At any rate, um, I distinctly remember that because that forced me to purchase editorial, which was not a bad decision. It was a great app, and it's still it, they've recently updated it. It's a great app again. Um, But, you know, actually being able to say like paste this into shortcuts and put actual variables into the text um, so that then, you know, when you run it, shortcuts could ask you for three or four different things. And then it puts those in as variables. And then magically you have this whole project in OmniFocus, um, which, you know, from your side of things over at OmniGroup must have taken a bit longer to set up than it now takes me to do. But it's certainly an easy way to to modify my work and, and get all of that stuff in there
2: yeah i really love um well i love what apple's done with shortcuts since uh since acquiring the workflow team and the direction they uh they seem to be taking it just it just keeps better and better so and, and
0: you know as an eth- an enthusiast for all this stuff i just wanted i don't i've never told you this but i just wanted to thank you for being there early with automation, particularly with Omnifocus because I use that app so much but um just like using the u r l stuff i mean uh, it was the developers like you at the beginning who were finding ways to shoehorn in automation that I think really led to Apple paying attention to something like Workflow. And I'm not sure that we would be where we are if if you guys hadn't started the ball rolling.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I, it, it was, you know, an important, as, as I mentioned, it was important to us to be able to start talking with at least one other app, Safari, in that case. Uh, but then once there was a way to once we had figured out a way to talk between apps and having these URLs, uh, it became natural that it it got more and more advanced, and uh, and then of course the uh, I'm actually wearing my X Callback uh, URL T-shirt right now. Yeah, uh, I've got <laughs> one too. Yeah. That that, uh, that got built and uh, and extended, uh, and that really helped the ecosystem take off. I think with different apps being able to talk to each other and then get results back, which of course is then what led. Uh, to things like Launch Center Pro and the workflow uh, team then building this uh, their app, uh, which Apple acquired and turned into shortcuts. So yeah, I, I love that history. And that
0: leads us to today where you guys have, at Omni Group, guys and gals, have done a tremendous amount of work on building out automation on iOS. Uh, that, you know, uh, the iPhone and iPad have always a bit had one hand tied behind their back for automation. They don't have Apple events. And, you know, you just don't have that scripting environment that we have on the Mac. I mean, that you can do virtually anything with a Mac and automation, whereas the sandbox and the security measures, and frankly, just the lack of things like Apple events on iPhone and iPad, make it much harder to implement this stuff. But um, you guys have done a couple things. I want to talk about both of them today. Uh, Number one, you've greatly increased the support for... um, OmniFocus in shortcuts, but you've also come up with a, basically a JavaScript implementation to create a form of automation that can be done both on iPad, iPhone, and Mac with the same scripting language. And both of those are very exciting developments. Oh, thank you.
2: Yeah, the, uh, the first one, shortcuts, I think is important because it lets us play in that ecosystem that all the other apps are working in and it's sort of the outside interface to the application how how do i want to get something done so we added shortcuts uh you know we'd always had i shouldn't say always but before apple acquired workflow we had already had shortcuts in place for adding one item at a time or adding a task paper uh collection of items at, at once and when apple announced you know last WWDC almost a year ago now that uh shortcuts would be getting uh that you could build your own shortcut extensions that provided their own actions. Uh, That was really exciting because that meant we could start thinking about extra logic we could put in there uh, to interact with shortcuts. So we started adding things like finding items, finding projects, tags. uh, And uh, then, of course, you want to be able to show those results in OmniFocus. Uh, and we also, in the most recent release, even asked one for uh, built one for getting items for today from your OmniFocus forecast, um, including tagged in different items, if that's you know what you have in your view options. So that it's really easy to uh, build a shortcut that just goes out, reaches out to OmniFocus and says, "What's on my OmniFocus forecast for today?" and displays those results, or reads those out loud to you, or sends email with them, or you know whatever you want to do because it's it's automation.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and so historically, when it was workflow. Uh, you, you guys, the developer. You guys being the developers, you didn't have the ability to write those extensions for Workflow. They actually wrote those at Workflow, and I believe Apple kind of inherited those when they purchased Workflow.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: Yeah, but but the, like you said, in June of 2019, Apple announced that now developers can make their own extensions, and you see that. Uh, you know, if, as you're if you're listening to Automators and you have shortcuts go in and look at that list of apps in there, and your favorite apps are hopefully going to have lots of these shortcuts where the developers have implemented them. How difficult is it as a developer to plug into shortcuts and, and make these additions?
2: I think the shortcut side of it is about as easy as, as okay. Apple could make it, given the problem that they're they're trying to do. So it's it's not too hard to add that integration. The tricky part is designing your application so that the information can get shared between your app and the shortcut in an efficient way. So it was really easy to do those first shortcut integrations that uh, that Apple had already built uh, because all of the communication was one way. We're saying, I just want to add an item or I want to add task paper. And it didn't matter what was already in your database. Uh, you weren't trying to get anything back out. You weren't actually trying to share information. You were just trying to send information. Uh, but with, uh, with these newer shortcuts and find items and so on, you have current forecast. Uh, we, we had to find some way to let you get at all of your data from OmniFocus, which meant making it available to each of the shortcut uh, extensions uh, and having uh, the biggest limitation there is that shortcut shortcuts extensions have to live within a limited amount of space because they can be running while you're doing some other app, right? And you're not allowed to mm-hmm. take over the whole system like you are with when you're inside your own app. So. Uh, if you have an app that is used to just sort of filling uh, all of its memory with the user's data, and now you're trying to go into a shortcut and do the same thing, that's not going to work at all. You're going to run out of memory. And...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, the size of the database. I mean, I know my database, I feel like it's large because I've got a couple of thousand actions in there, a couple of hundred projects. I, I know that for some users, that's like a <laughs> baby database. Um, so I'm guessing that th- that posed problems as well, because somebody who's got five projects and 20 actions, you're, they're probably going, yeah, let's load that into the memory. But... Bigger ones. Yeah, And it turns out
2: that <laughs> the, the people who you know, have thousands of projects and tens of thousands of actions are some of the ones that really want automation to work through that whole set of things.
1: Really? Uh, I had no idea.
2: <laughs> so, what we ended up building uh, was a setup where all of the database now is stored on disk. It's not, uh, you know, we try to avoid reading into memory as much as possible, and we just operate on uh, the SQLite database that is now shared between the extension and the app. And so whenever the app is running, it will update the database. Whenever the extension runs, it doesn't directly update it. Uh, It just queues up, here are some changes that I want to make the next time the app runs.
1: But I can imagine that's quite useful. Because then if I run something in shortcuts, say, for example, I add a project, and then I, I want to find all the projects with Cat. And so say I, I add a project with an automation to add, adopt a Cat, and then I want to, to find all the projects tagged with Cat, um, then I presume that that now works because of the way that you've shared all of this data back to shortcuts.
2: Yeah, yeah. It is much, much more robust than it used to be. It also helped all of our extensions, not just the, uh, the shortcuts interfaces like... Uh, the Spotlight integration that we have is now able to search everything in your database because it's hitting the same SQLite database directly, rather than having to go. Um, like previously, we had to pick choose what are we going to provide because we know there's a limited amount of RAM available, uh, gee, uh, or a little limited amount of space. We didn't want to keep making copies of things. Now we're not making any extra copies. We're just uh, giving it direct access to the same data store.
0: And that explains why you've had the database transition over the last, I believe, year or so in the application. Uh, users may have got that dialog box asking them to update everything.
2: Well, that it it could explain that, except that's actually a slightly different problem. That one is that we added some more fields to the database over yeah. the last year or two, where we've added support for floating time zones. And if uh, if you're using an older version of OmniFocus, they won't know what that means. Sure. So uh so the newer focus uh, omnifocus uh and older omnifocus can talk to each other if you're still if you're talking through an older database format uh and some people are stuck that way because they're using older macs or iphones or whatever that they can't upgrade to the latest option so they have to run an older version yeah. of Omnifocus uh but if you're using the latest one obviously uh you're going to want these new capabilities and that's what what those extra dialogues end up we try not to bug you about the, the behind-the-scenes details of us moving stuff around so that extensions can see them. Gosh, it seems like a
0: long time since I was showing you my kinkless GTD Omni Outliner at MacWorld.
2: Yeah, well, that was uh, that was a good automation experience too. Really wasn't. It? Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. Well, uh, great job on getting so much support for shortcuts out. And I just wish any developers that are listening. I hope that they follow the lead here because I I just think it's so important. This is the easiest kind of automation you can do. We talk about shortcuts on the show all the time, but if you're an OmniFocus user, go in and open up a bunch of these new uh, actions that are available to you. The forecast one in particular, I think, is kind of useful. Rose and I did a show uh, last month, I believe, on our daily brief um, shortcuts, and the forecast view is a great addition for that. I have it actually pulling in OmniFocus for certain projects, but I think the forecast may be a better replacement for that. Um, so it's just... It's really nice to, to see you guys going that extra mile to get all that support in there.
2: Oh, thank you. And yeah, the more, more people support it with uh, additional apps, I think the uh, it's sort of a rising tide, you know, yeah. um, helps uh, with all the boats. It's going yeah. to... Uh, it means that all of these apps can now work with each other and have extra capabilities that they didn't have. So it's neat to have this stuff that you can do directly with OmniFocus from shortcuts. But then it's even more interesting when, oh, like the, what was it, last in the last couple of weeks, uh, somebody released a shortcuts um, thing for doing graphs. And so then uh, they had some workflows for taking, uh, looking at your database and items um, interface, looking at you know what you completed in a range of time and then graphing that, uh, and i think that just suddenly makes it you know that much more useful for our app and for their app
0: yeah it's charty and we're going to we're going to be covering that one in a future episode we're already working on that gang, but it, it's like it's a chart plugin basically for shortcuts
1: I'm really tempted to make a a shortcut now that pulls like, say, the last month of data and finds like all the tasks completed and all the tasks added and then charts number of tasks added versus number of tasks completed on each day. Because I'm willing to bet the days where I complete the most tasks are also the days where I add more tasks than I've completed, uh, which might explain the number of things inside of my OmniFocus. But it's, it's great that we have access to this data.
0: I keep teasing Ken that I want him to add a feature that if I defer a task five times that it automatically deletes the task but uh, he hasn't taken me up on it yet. <laughs> but the,
1: well, I'm sure you could do that with a script if you use yeah, a script to defer it, which is yeah, something that we'll have to circle back to later.
0: For, for my own protection, I feel like if I deferred five times, I'm probably never going to do it.
1: This episode of Automatis is brought to you by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is the software I and many others use every day to protect our data online because hacking methods are more sophisticated than ever. Many of you might be working from home right now without your IT department to protect you from online threats, and that's why I recommend using ExpressVPN. I've been using ExpressVPN for months now. I really like the fact that it's easy to turn on and off, and I can even pick which country I need to be in, allowing me to access those other services that sometimes lock you out unnecessarily. All you need to know about ExpressVPN now is that you could be leaving the door open to hackers and one well, of the easiest ways to secure your internet data is with ExpressVPN. So, why haven't you got it yet? Go to this link right now, expressvpn.com slash automators, and get an extra three months free. Protect your internet day with the VPN that'll keep your data safe. That's expressvpn.com slash automators. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of automators and all of FM.
0: So, Ken, in addition to the uh, the work you've done with shortcuts, you've also got this JavaScript implementation. Can you just kind of give me the twenty thousand foot view of that to begin?
2: Sure. So, Omni Automation is multi platform automation for our Mac, iPad, and iPhone apps. And with it, you can build you can run pre built plugins and scripts, or you can write your own in JavaScript. But all of those things are sort of predefined. Uh, and they involve some sort of round trip between what's happening in shortcuts and what's happening in OmniFocus. Uh, similarly, AppleScript on the Mac has been kind of this API that you could use to talk with OmniFocus. Uh, API is just an interface, an application programming interface um, that you could use to talk to OmniFocus using the AppleScript language. But every time you went from your script to the app and back, this involved a round trip of switching from one process to another. And it was Relatively inefficient and slow. So, as we were thinking about automation, uh, we were thinking about, well, how can we let people build sort of a richer set of operations they can do that that is really fast and can operate at the the low levels of the database on every everything that's available in that database instead of uh, just being limited to the set of you know public interface things that we happen to provide to shortcuts or to AppleScript. And so that's what we've built in uh, in our JavaScript support, which is now in all four of our apps. It's in. Uh, it started in OmniGraphle and OmniOutliner, and then uh, we shipped it in OmniPlan last year, I believe, and uh, and now with OmniFocus 3.8, uh, it's finally in all of our apps. Uh, this lets people bu- create a JavaScript plugin uh, or or write some external JavaScript that they pass to the app, which can then quickly. Uh, manipulate anything that's in the database or in in a document. Uh, get results, process things around, change them around, and it's just so much faster than uh, than earlier things based around AppleScript or than any shortcut interactions would be. Uh, so then, it of course can return results back to uh, to shortcuts or to AppleScript if uh, if that's where it was invoked from. But uh, but it was collecting that information in a way that that lets it do more things and uh, also uh, makes it much faster. (laughs) So as an example, if we had had this JavaScript stuff available um, back when kinkless GTD was written, I have to think that Ethan would have written kinkless GTD as as a JavaScript plugin instead. And it would have been lightning fast (laughs) uh, to do some of those operations instead of feeling like this slow slog uh, as you waited for, uh, for these things to get encoded into Apple events and, and back.
0: Yeah, it's really impressive for a couple of reasons to me. One of them is, you know, AppleScript has never existed on iPhone and iPad. So Apple Script automation you'd write for the app on the Mac wouldn't work on the other devices. And it, you know, then you had this unequal world where you couldn't do all of your work on whichever device you wanted. And JavaScript will work on all platforms. And it, it's mm-hmm. just, it, and, for people listening who've never done JavaScript, I can tell you I'm more uh, savvy with AppleScript than I am with JavaScript. But but I've been, you know, I've, I've taken the course. I I can hack my way through JavaScript. This is not something you need to be a King case level programmer to do. It's, it's fairly simple mm-hmm. once you kind of wrap your arms around it. And, it, you know, give it an hour or two to learn it and you'd be surprised how much you can do.
2: Yeah, there are a couple of reasons that we chose JavaScript. One, of course, was this efficiency that I was talking about. We really wanted something that would be fast. And we knew that Apple was really tuning JavaScript performance because it's used for scripting web pages. Uh, And they want the web to be really fast on their devices, on all their devices. Uh, But another reason uh, was that at the moment, because it's it's the scripting language of the web, it's the language that has probably the most... uh, beginner tutorials out there available. If you want to learn JavaScript, uh, you don't have to, it's not something where we have to teach you. <laughs> there are lots of resources out there that will help you learn about JavaScript, how to build JavaScript. And if you learn this, uh, it's something you can also leverage in other other tools. You can you, leverage it if you want to work on a web page or uh, you know all sorts of other things. So it's a uh, it's just nice to be working with a language that that is widely available even though it has some quirks. (laughs) I wouldn't say it's necessarily my favorite language in the world in that sense. Yeah, I was going to
1: say, JavaScript (laughs) is kind of uh, quirky. Uh, A a book that I've seen frequently recommended for people not familiar with JavaScript, I learned JavaScript as a web developer. So for me, programming for an application is like, whoa, whole other mindset. But a a lock eloquent eloquent javascript i can't speak english today either david i'm joining you there um, is is the book that i keep seeing recommended, and uh it, I, I skimmed through it i i don't need to read it of course i'm understanding javascript already but it looks pretty good to me as well so for people who are looking and going okay well why would i learn javascript well you know as well as the omni apps there's also you know drafts and scriptable out there they'll also use javascript so it's in my opinion, becoming the de facto, you know, next um, script, even, you know, maybe it's not the language everybody would prefer. I know Python has many, many, many devout followers. I personally would just do everything in PHP, but the world might kill me if I did that. Uh, but I'm thinking JavaScript's <laughs> a pretty good solution because, I mean, you get it for free on iOS and that's, that's a very, very good starting point.
0: It does seem to be kind of the the gravity seems to be pulling it towards automation for all these various solutions that we talk about on this show. So often, uh, uh, you know, like you said, drafts, the Omni apps, it works both on Mac, iPad, and iPhone. So I think this is really a great opportunity for folks that want to learn this. So how is it working with, with a, let's talk about Omni because that's the most recent one that you've updated for it. Give me some examples of what you can do with this.
2: Well, so, uh, one of the things you might want to do is capture uh something from one of their apps and send it to one of the other apps but uh but maybe you want to filter through your whole database to do it so uh you could build a shortcut that does this and uh you know people are as we saw with the uh those graphs that we were talking about earlier but uh but if you're using some javascript you can write some code that will filter through the entire database do it really quickly uh and then Uh, make some decisions about, well, what do I want to include? What do I not want to include? How do I want to format it? And then maybe it takes those results and it sends them off to Omni Outliner, to Omni Graphle. like maybe you want a uh, graph of how your database works, or it sends it off to Omni Plan. Uh, You know, there are certainly a lot of customers who have been wanting uh, to take something that was written in Omni Focus and uh, draw a Project plan for it with the timeline and everything else, and this is one mm-hmm. uh, one way you can do that and Sal has actually built uh, sal savoyyan who uh, who's been on the show before I believe um, has written uh, some examples of of some of these things that are posted over at omni-automation.com. that 's omni dash automation uh, and i 'm sure the link will be in the show notes yeah uh, and so yeah uh, that 's a, a you know a great place to see some of these examples of things you can do when you 're uh, when you're taking apps and now you're having them work together, not just uh, one app at a time. Because one of the things JavaScript is good at is letting you build uh, some dynamic code, uh, send it somewhere else, and, uh, and execute it in a different environment. So you can build a plugin uh, for OmniPlan that goes and fetches some data from OmniFocus or uh, vice versa.
1: Which for those people who are using both applications or who, like me, for example, have been longing for a long time to, to get like a really good granular visual overview of some of my insanely complex projects in OmniFocus, is great because I, I can now, I've actually just stolen some of the scripts from the website a couple of months ago while I've been beta testing this. Um, and it's, you know, it's perfect because I just, I press the button it's like, okay, here's this project in OmniPlan and I'm like, okay, so apparently I'm doing 60 different things at once. This might explain a few of the problems I'm having, um, you know, because I'm only one person. You can only allocate a, a person resource, you know, to do one thing at a time. As much as I love multitasking, I suck at it. Um, so it's it's really been useful for that for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, just to give folks a, a, a little bit of context, if you've done Apple scripts, you know about the dictionaries where... Um, an application will provide certain data through its dictionary to AppleScript. I, I guess you'd call that a donation, just like they do now with shortcuts. But I feel like, and Ken can tell me if I'm wrong, but the the quote unquote dictionary you built with this JavaScript implementation looks like it's just almost everything you can do in the app. Like for instance, just like I was looking at the search functions because I was trying to do some JavaScripting around search. I can look for search terms in the projects, the folders, and the tags. So I can get very specific with my search uh, based on which uh, context of the database I want to hit. And it's just like it's that way throughout this whole implementation. You guys have just basically made the entire application automation-friendly on all platforms. It's it's super awesome if you think about it.
2: I think it's great what we've done. I wouldn't say that we've gotten 100% of the way there yet. I know Rosa sent us some bugs about... Uh things you know around date parsing, for example, that are not yet exposed to uh, mm-hmm. to the JavaScript side of things. But but it's certainly our goal to get all of those things there. And, of course, there are things you can do when you have that raw access to these underlying tasks that you can't really do very easily in the interface. It's super easy to uh, make up your own sorting criteria for a tag, for example, and say, all right, I just want to resort everything in this tag by, uh, by whatever criteria you've made up. Um, and... Uh, and suddenly uh, it's showing that tag in your forecast and, uh, and now your forecast list is, um, is ordered the way you want it to be, which is a little bit harder to do uh, if you're just working in the interface in the app itself.
1: Yeah, and also the other thing that you can do is you can do things that you wouldn't do in the interface either. So for example, something that I frequently see people asking how to do is um to automatically create a project. So you have a, a project, it's got a whole series of actions, and they want to do one action a day. So they want to defer uh, every action so that it's uh it's available the subsequent day of the previous action. That's I mean, if you sat down and do that through the user interface, even with the the nice buttons, you know, you could select all of them, set the defer date and then unselect the first one and plus one everything. But that's kind of fiddly to do, even, you know, with with options available to us. But doing that sort of thing with a script is actually relatively easy to do once you, you've got a date to start with um, and then you progress from there, which is something I've experimented with. And then I quickly realized that I was being extremely optimistic about my, my rate of completion. Um, and I actually modified it to defer to uh, one item a week, uh, which seems much more realistic and I'm not feeling so overwhelmed <laughs> anymore. <laughs>
2: That actually reminds me of uh, one of my first automation projects ever. This is back in uh, in the early '80s, maybe late '70s. I have to think back about exactly what it was, but I was uh, my dad was coming home from work. He's a he worked as an industrial engineer for Boeing, so he was scheduling, uh, you know, work on the seven forty seven or the triple seven, whichever plane he was working on at that time. And uh, tools would be. Uh, when they say tools, uh, Boeing thinks of tools as these big, uh, you know, room-sized things that are working on an airplane wing or something. Um, well, as, as projects would shift, things would get backed up, and you would have issues where uh, the next plane was coming along and really needed to use a tool, but the last plane was still using it. And so their previously, you know, well-coordinated schedule was now getting off, off kilter, and they needed to uh, order another tool. But, of course, they needed to do that in advance so that things wouldn't get slowed down. Oh, uh,
0: so they, so they needed OmniPlan. <laughs>
2: well, it was a lot like that. Yeah. He was coming home with these uh, long rolled up charts, paper charts, and then he would work on them at home where he would, you know, have a pen and he would be searching for these exceptions where, uh, where a tool was going to be needed early. And he would mark that up with a pen and then he'd go back into the office and, uh, and get that stuff done. And as he was, you know, I was asking what he was doing and he explained it to me and I said, well, couldn't we? Uh, couldn 't we make this easier if we just wrote down these these times and so on so I ended up writing a little basic program for him that where he could enter the start dates and end dates for these different things and then um and then it would just make a list of here are the um the places where where you 're going to need a tool early that 's the sort of thing I think that if you capture some data and then you apply some automation to it, you can save yourself a whole lot of time uh He ended up sem- uh turning in this basic program as a uh as an employee suggestion for Boeing, and uh, it saved enough money that they awarded him, I don't know, like some thousands of dollars that paid for me to get uh, my first disk drive instead of saving my code to uh, cassette tapes. So that was exciting.
0: I was going to (laughs) ask if he bought you a bike or something, but a disk drive would be cool too.
2: Yeah, (laughs) floppy disks. That was great.
0: This episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by HREFs. SEO tools and resources to grow your search traffic. Get a seven-day trial for just $7. Do you work for a big brand, or maybe you run your own small business, or you're a freelancer? Getting traffic to your website can be a real challenge, and there's a lot of competition out there. HREFs is an all-in-one SEO tool that solves that problem. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. I have to admit, I have always been leery of SEO tools, but HREFs breaks that stereotype. With HREFs, you can optimize your website where it does an audit to see what works and what doesn't. You can analyze your competitors and even use the Site Explorer. My favorite feature is the Keyword Explorer. It allows you to study what your customers are searching for, so you can customize your website to give them exactly what they need. It even tracks your ranking and progress. This is the first SEO that's made sense to me. HREFS uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic and why, and you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. And you can get estimated search volumes with their Keywords Explorer too. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. HREFS has a bunch of useful stuff. The Content Explorer can help you get uh, guest blogging opportunities and the Rank Tracker, which lets you track your progress on keywords. It'll even pick up broken backlinks and help you fix them. So take the mystery out of SEO. Go to hrefs right now. That's Ahrefs.com. Sign up for their seven-day trial for just $7. Get reports on your website and see what's performing well and figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website you want to get a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, go there now to Ahrefs.com hrefs.com to get that $7 trial. Our thanks to HREFs for their support of automators and all of Relay FM. And if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, JavaScript, I don't want to learn a new language. um, One of the things, the the side benefit of all this is if you go to that Omni automation site we're going to put in the show notes, we'll put there's a specific page where Sal has created 30-some... Automations already using JavaScript. And these are just plugins you can download, plug in, and start using immediately with OmniFocus. So you don't have to write a lick of JavaScript to still get advantages of this. And a lot of these are really useful. Like you can, like I was just looking at, there's one here where you can clear tags from selected tasks. Well, sometimes I need to kind of flush tags down the toilet, right? And so I could select a bunch of these, run this plugin. And it does it for me automatically, which is, you know, the, the whole point of the automators.
2: That's really our vision for this in the end is, is that, of course, there are going to be some people who are excited to uh, write JavaScript and develop these uh, these plugins. But most people, you know, much like with Kinkless GTD back in the Omni Outliner days 15 years ago, most people are just going to be wanting to run plugins that other people have written. Uh, and I think we still have more work we can do on our end to make that even easier. So it's easy to, you know, search a catalog and, uh, and quickly install something and start using it. But, um, but even today, you know, as Sal has set things up on the website, you can, as he said, just click on some things and get them installed and, and start using them. And I think it's a great start.
0: Yeah. And so the way kind of walk us through how you do that, if someone wants to download one of these plugins, once you download it, how do you get it working with the application, whether you're on iPhone or, or Mac?
2: Uh, if it's stored as a plugin, and I've been uh, working with Sal about how can we get this site set up so that it, a lot of these are more easily available as as JavaScript plugins, we have a special extension for it, just like a, a normal uh, document extension uh, for like an OmniFocus plugin or an OmniOutliner plugin or, or whatever. And so the website will just provide this plugin download. You click on it, uh, and whichever platform you're on, whether you're on Mac or on iPhone or iPad. You would get a prompt saying, "Hey, you, is it okay to download this file? Would you like to open it now in uh, in its target application? Like if it's an OmniFocus plugin, would you like to open this in OmniFocus? OmniFocus will open it then, and uh, it will. uh, That's that's basically the the entire process. It's now installed, and you can start using it. You can assign keyboard shortcuts to it, so you can you know quickly invoke a plugin by typing Control One or whatever. And uh, yeah." that that's the idea i want to make it even easier because i would like for you know this to be stuff you can search for in the app you don't have to go to a special website The website doesn't have to do a bunch of special encoding and so on but um yeah but i feel like uh we're on track on that track um and of course would also love feedback from from listeners you know what would you like to see how would you like this to work better because uh it's only useful if it's useful to you
0: I feel like, you know, the end game is like kind of graphotopia kind of thing where it's it's a menu in the app and you just go pick the one you want, you press the button and it applies it. But you're really not that far from that already.
2: Yeah. Shortcuts did a really good job of this in its, uh, or workflow, I should say, with, you know, before Apple even acquired it, where you could just easily do some yeah. searches for, here's the sort of thing I'm trying to do. And it would return a bunch of matching workflows and you would say, okay, yeah, let me try that one. Uh, and I'd like to see us get to that point too.
0: Yeah. Well, and the nice thing is, in addition to the ones that Sal's created, um, you'll have other people in the community like Rosemary Orchard uh, putting ones together, and there'll be this kind of rich, hopefully, assortment of scripts that you can download. And because they're JavaScript, if you do want to wade into the waters a bit, uh, taking one someone's already written and making changes to it is, you know, that's that's my sweet spot for scripting. I mean, I can't <laughs> right. tell you how many Apple scripts I've written that started with somebody else's script, you know, and and I think that'll work the same way with this JavaScript. So it's not that difficult to to understand how it works, even if you don't do all the online courses, once you look at one that and you know what it's doing and you know how it
2: works. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's how, um, how so much programming starts, in fact, <laughs> and whenever yeah. you're working in a new thing.
1: Definitely. And I mean, of course, OmniFocus is not a, a simple application. There's a little bit of complexity to it. So to start with, you're going to want to have a look at, you know, like what is, you know, like how does a project work? Like, what does it have? OK, so I need to set due date to set the due date of the project. But once you're familiar with JavaScript objects and so on, it's, it's relatively easy to figure out. And I'm just looking at a, a sample script that I threw together earlier. And bbedit tells me it's 65 lines long. And people listening might be going, whoa, 65 lines. That's a lot of code. But if I look at it, the first eleven lines are comments to tell OmniFocus how to show this this action to me, which is fine. And so that takes me down to you know fifty four lines, and then I've actually got ten lines of comments here inside of my code um, to to help me understand what I've done where. So it's it's not a lot, and. 90% of this was copied from the Omni Automation website. I just copied little chunks here and there and, and put stuff together and now it works. So when I click on this in in the toolbar on my Mac or I tap on it on my iPad, then it takes the the currently selected task and it turns it into a project. It asks me if it wants if I want it to be sequential or non-sequential. Um and um so parallel, um, and then adds adds a project with the, the data from the current task, which is a, a really great little action to have because I frequently convert projects into auto-complete sorry, I frequently convert inbox tasks to auto-completing projects because I add something like hey, I need to switch to a, to a new cell phone provider um, well, when I've completed all the actions, I don't need this project to hang around for eternity, you know I'll, I'll switch cell phone provider and it's done so I wanted to auto-complete and that's just something that I've done to save me a few taps And it didn't take long to put together with a little bit of help from the website
0: yeah. You know, like as we're recording this, I've just shipped the new photos field guide and I'm working on the next title already. And I am working on a JavaScript in my head. It's not done yet, but it, that I can combine an outline that I create on omni outliner to convert that into an overall plan an Omni plan and a task list and OmniFocus. I feel like I'm going to get there. There may be some other people helping me along the way, but the <laughs> stuff isn't that hard really. And, um, and I love the idea of of you know getting back to the idea of programming not to make your own apps but to make the apps you already have work better for you.
1: exactly and that's that's the whole point of automation, right where we love the apps that we use. we just want to make our own lives easier and this is this is how we choose to do it, which I think is the right solution at least for me and you, David.
0: And we've been, uh, omni- yeah. <laughs> we've been focused on omni yeah we've been focused on omni in this interview because I am such a weirdo fan of omnifocus, but the um but you have the same tools available for Omni OmniOutliner, Omni outliner and Omniplan too, so uh if you're listening to this and you want to play with some of these other apps, um you've got sample scripts and you've got the ability to go in there and kind of roll up your sleeves and start automating those apps too,
2: yeah, like some of the uh the automation things that I do with. Uh, OmniGraph will involve taking uh, a set of data, you know, obviously I'm doing sort of uh, computer science type work. So taking, well, as an example, uh, the OmniFocus database itself, uh, it's made up of a bunch of transactions. And if uh, you're working on multiple devices, some of the transactions may uh, split off into a divergent tree for a little bit. It's sort of like uh, if people are familiar with Git, Git does the same thing with its uh, commits. And so uh, then eventually things sync up again and they come back together. Well, when we're trying to debug what's going on with some sort of syncing issue, you know, that's one of the graphs that I would like to look at As I open that thing up and, uh, you know, I'd be looking at a graph. Yesterday I was looking at a graph of about 1,800 transactions. And it's so much easier to visualize that in Graphle and think, okay, well, how, are, how do these dependencies work? Here are the lines and so on. And so I had a, a, a little shell script, actually, that, that I run in Terminal that. Um, it takes an OmniFocus database, makes a graph out of it, opens it, that graph in Omni Graffle, and then I can go and uh, start you know working in, in more detail with that graph and, and figure out what's going on.
0: One of my favorite implementations was Sal Sagoyan when he did his Command D conference. He made the command the uh, Command D conference logo with a JavaScript in Omni Graffle. and he just run a script and it created the logo for the event in OmniGraffle. Because he's Sal, and that's how <laughs> Sal does things.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most certainly bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitor's experience, so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they use, so you want to identify how visitors are actually experiencing your website, allowing you to make informed optimizations and deliver great performance to those who matter the most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process get live to insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code AUTOMATERS at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom for solo wins of their support of this show and RelayFM. OmniGraffle also added the ability to copy one of the, the your graphics or whatever it is that you have on, on your canvas as JavaScript, which makes it uh, even easier to, to get started with that. Because say, for example, you want to learn how to draw a square in the center of your canvas. Well, you you draw a square and you center it on your canvas. And then you can just, at least on the Mac, right click, copy as JavaScript. And that gives you the ability to redraw that circle with exactly that script time and time again, which for me is is a really nice way to get started on that because for me, you know, I've I've never really worked with user interfaces of that kind. I've only ever worked with web browsers where everything is different on every single device. Um, because some people have 8 billion and one bookmarks um, and tabs open and some people have it full screen in Safari with nothing showing apart from the address bar. Um, and so, you know, you, you have no idea what the other person's device looks like and therefore what they're really seeing. So you have to sort of just guesstimate. But a canvas in, Omni, in Omnigraphel, you know, it's, it's precise. Um, and I love the fact that you can, you can specifically say, OK, right. So now I've drawn like the outline that I want for every single diagram um of this kind and copy those elements as as JavaScript. And that that to me is a really great way to get started wrapping my head around something that for me is a totally alien concept.
2: Yeah, I find that tool useful myself when I'm wanting to set things up and I don't necessarily remember, all right, how do I assign a color to the shape or to its uh, border or whatever else I'm I'm trying to do. So it's much easier sometimes to just manipulate it directly, uh copy it back out into JavaScript as you said, and paste it into your script and uh, and then you can make your changes from there.
1: Yes, and uh, that—that's one of the things I like it with with the examples that are there, either directly from the app or or from the website. It's easy to get started.
0: Ken, what's uh, some of your favorite implementations of JavaScript on the Omni apps? Now that you've been playing with it for a
2: while. Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, well, I haven't actually played with the Omni Focus stuff that much yet because it's so new. I mean, it's been in development but for. a couple of years now but in terms of finally having all of the features that we wanted uh you know this release is actually helping polish some of the edges that uh well in fact it's making all of our apps better at the same time so in OmniFocus 3.8 we added support for things like uh pasteboard access so you can now copy and paste things from the pasteboard uh we've and of course that support is something that we've wanted to have all (laughs) along in all of our apps and uh and now that it's been written for OmniFocus, uh, you know, it's to, easier, at least, to bring that support back over uh, for all of the apps to share. So, uh, so in one sense, it's the newest thing, and therefore uh, the, the latest and the most complete, and, and so that's the most interesting. But, uh, but from another point of view, you know, the OmniGraphle work and just being able to work with this visual canvas, as Rose was talking about, and uh, the different applications that opens up, uh, that's been really useful uh, to me. And of course, OmniOutliner, that's where a lot of our, um, where our scripting and automation history started was with different things people were wanting to write uh, in uh, to work with their outlines and and do more interesting things there. So whether it's uh, you know calculating different results from different types of tables that might be stored in the outline or or whatever else that uh, I don't know <laughs> I end up going between all of them and, and of course sometimes using multiple apps at once.
0: Ken, what is your? Um... We talked about shortcuts earlier. Um, What would you say is one of your most frequently used shortcuts?
2: Oh, well, so that's an interesting one for me. I think, um, to be honest, the most frequently used shortcuts that I have are things that control my lights. So that's probably the most dead simple shortcuts that you can imagine. But but I find it really handy to just be able to, you know, hold down... uh, hold down my watch so that siri activates and then say uh hey i want to do some video conferencing now and adjust the lighting in in this room so that my face is illuminated and not uh and not behind my head <laughs> or uh or no now it's gaming time and it'll shift the lights around for playing games or uh or i'll go down to the den and i'll say watch tv and shift those lights around so uh yeah those those are probably the uh the most commonly used uh, shortcuts that i have
0: yeah so and and the way you're doing that is you just give the shortcut the name of what you want to call it, like going to video conference or play games. And then you're just running individual shortcuts on individual lighting units to change the lighting up or down or change the colors.
2: Right. Or uh, several of those are sort of scenes that I had predefined. Okay. So it's almost cheating. It's hardly even a shortcut, right? That's just, just activate the scene, and I gave it a name. But yeah. Um, but they're the things that uh that I find most useful uh that I'm using from shortcuts all the time, yeah, well, I mean that th- those are the good ones,
1: yeah, I think that's a really neat trick though, because a, a home kit scene you know is is a great idea because it's available to everybody in your family, and you know if you're if you're sharing your house with other people i I presume they would also like to control the lights instead of sitting there in the dark, but everybody has different names for things, so what I call film night, somebody else might call movie Night, so by adding a shortcut to run the scene i can give it my own custom name um which means that everybody can have the same scenes but we can all have different names for them and call them whatever it is we like um and i'm, I'm i like that that approach it's it's really nice and i'm also really missing my home kit lights as i sit here mostly in the dark <laughs> with just a a desk lamp on because i forgot that it gets dark here um and uh, yeah it's okay though i i do have lighting i have a very large monitor to provide light
0: and another thing you do, Ken, and you mentioned it briefly earlier, is that you do a lot of automation through the terminal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of like actual work that I do, I would say ninety-nine uh, percent of the automation stuff that I do uh, is driven through the terminal. Now, it, what language I use for all of that is is completely wide open. Like, I'll often start with writing something in say, a shell script. Uh, I use z shell and have for a couple of decades now. Uh or uh you know so is shell script is basically taking the commands that you would type into a terminal window in the first place and saving them to a text file so that you can run those commands again later really easily. Uh and that's you know often the easiest way to automate something is just take something that you've been typing several times and, and run it that way. But then uh you know I'll bring in oh let's see like one of my daily scripts uh, runs some Java that fetches stuff from uh, App Store Connect to get, you know, sales data, <laughs> and downloads that. Uh, then it's sort of driven by a shell script. So it uh, actually, is this driven by a shell script? I think it was driven by a shell script. And now it's been converted to a Perl script or a Python script. And I don't remember which one is the driver at the moment. But um, so then it loads that data into PostgreSQL database and uh, uh, does some reports on that ends up feeding it off to, uh, so both Perl and Python are involved, (laughs) and then eventually it feeds it out to R, which is uh, a statistical programming language uh, environment. And uh, that's what, you know, does like regression graphs and so on for me. So, um, but it it ends up being this sort of long set of steps that would take Uh, a long time to do if i were trying to do it manually every time but because i can just run this command it'll be done in you know maybe 30 seconds and now i see my reports for the day and uh with nice graphs to go along with it and everything um yeah just makes makes my life easy
0: you know i have to admit like uh, my dirty secret is that the terminal just never i never took to the terminal i did the course i did some stuff with terpstra once and I've um, like I can display a calendar and I can get directories, but I just never could figure out as a user, as a power user more than you know, developer, what I'm supposed to do with the terminal. Where where does it fit for people that are not developers?
2: That's a good question. Well, I don't know whether it does necessarily fit for people that are, are not developers.
0: Yeah, maybe that's the answer. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I didn't start using the terminal until I started developing um, because the first thing I had to do was create an SSH key. And that's something that, you know, you use the terminal to do. And then I had an SSH key so I could SSH into a server. And then I was no longer on my computer. I was talking on another machine and going around, doing folders, checking things out and stuff like that. But that's all very developer stuff. So I'm not sure I use it for a huge amount of non-developer things, except opening files in BBEdit when I'm in a project folder so I can edit them as a developer. Which is kind of developer-y. But JF Brissett did some stuff when he was on our show.
0: Yeah, no, I mean there's some people that use it really effectively, but I, I do have trouble figuring out if it is a, actually an automation tool for most people. I think I think if you're in the business of making apps, it's it is probably the primary automation tool. But you know, just thinking about the show and listeners, I'm like, can we can we do a show on that? Is there something there for people? And I I'm I'm flummoxed.
2: Yeah, you know, there were a lot of tools built for the terminal uh back when the terminal was the user interface right that that everybody yeah. had available so you know back in the uh in the sort of heyday of unix uh command line experience let's say the uh, 70s 80s
0: no i mean i i learned on a terminal computer i i started on uh tandy and and atari and several of the you know and the apple too all these terminal based computers that was what i did but as soon as you know the graphical user interface showed up i i left it in the rearview mirror
2: right so yeah there are you know a lot of tools like if you look back at the old unix manual pages uh the bsd manual pages um you'll find there are these uh, things in there for doing like diction reports and, you know, the look at your English language and analyze how, you know, what kind of words you used and what grade level you think you're doing. That's all stuff that's now, that now people have put into their word processors or put into web page tools that they're using instead. Yeah. Uh, it all exists there. So if, uh, so I'm, you know, it's not that uh, the, the terminal is incapable of doing that stuff, but I'm not sure it was ever the... Um, the most friendly way to present it. It was just the only way to present it at the time. Sure,
0: uh, and and, it, it, and like a lot of the maintenance stuff that you do, you buy an app with maintenance tools for your Mac. It's basically a pretty wrapper on terminal commands. Quite often,
2: yeah. There's there's still so much power there underneath uh, behind the scenes, and it's great for system administrators. It's great for um, for programmers, developers, but um, but yeah, for a lot of people's daily tasks, they're probably going to find more use out of a spreadsheet, <laughs> to be honest, right? Or, uh, and the automations they can do there.
0: Well, either way, I am just so happy that you guys have got to the finish line with this JavaScript. And I know you're going to tell me you're still working on it, but you've got <laughs> it out now for all of your apps. And now I can truly start scripting between all of my Ami apps. And I'm so happy about that.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's an exciting milestone to uh, to finally have reached, even if as you say, there, there's more that we want to do. There's more that I'm sure you would, um, everybody would like us to do as, as they dig into this and, uh, and start to uh, you know, see new needs. But I feel like there's also already a lot there. And <laughs> so it, it is appropriate maybe to step back and, and just be uh, excited for what, what's been done.
0: I think a great starting point if you're listening to this is go home. Or you may already be home, depending on when you listen to this, and uh, get yourself to omni-automation.com. Salson so going, uh, I believe, put a lot of this together, but I'm sure some of the other folks at Omni have worked on it as well. But there is uh, so many resources here about all the scripting. Uh, the action collections are there as well, so you can just download and start using them and start picking them apart. Um, You know, rather than watch something dumb on TV, spend an evening just on this website and you are going to learn to automate your Omni applications. It's just, it's not as hard as it sounds. And um, even if you don't want to get into the weeds with JavaScript, there are so many great actions already built that you're going to make these applications more valuable to yourself just by going to this website.
1: We'll put a link to the collection straight in the show notes, too. So you, if you just want to look at the ex- examples that already exist, like copying tags between selected tasks like that, that exists. So that, that's something you can download. and We've got a link straight to that as well.
2: Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I'll also mention that on the uh, we have a Slack workspace for the Omni Group that you can get to from omnigroup.com slash Slack. And on there, there's an automation channel uh, where people are, you know, work discovering this stuff, learning it, uh, sharing ideas with each other, ask, bouncing ideas off each other. And if you have you know, an idea for something you want to make, but you're not sure how to get into it, that's a great place to come and ask questions. And, uh, you know, people will be happy to come help you out, try to figure this out together.
0: Well, well Ken, once again, I, I feel like... Um... You know, as someone who's an automation enthusiast, nothing makes me happier than companies that are willing to not only give automation lip service, but actually put their their time and money behind it. And uh, the Omni Group has done that so much. And I, I feel like you guys have set such a great example. I hope a lot of the other developers out there with productivity apps tie into this, because this is just JavaScript. I mean, there's no reason why I can't use a JavaScript plug-in for OmniFocus to tie into some other third-party application, too, if I want. And and you guys, you know, that's one of the things you did with this that makes it so generous to the community is that it's not proprietary. I mean, this these scripts can run across multiple apps, and I would love nothing better than a year or two from now to have so many big productivity apps using the same mechanism to really make automation possible across the entire Apple Apple, Apple ecosystem. Sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right, let's change the world.
1: Everybody at home, you have your commands.
0: <laughs> All right, um, and uh, we are the automators. Uh, but uh, Ken, where can people find you? Uh,
2: well, you can find me personally on Twitter at kcase. And that's my first initial K for Ken, and last name Case C A S E. Uh, and you can also, of course, send me e- send me email at kc at Omnigroup.com.
0: Well, that was very generous of you guys. Don't abuse Ken's email. He's a busy guy, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, and also head over to the Omni Group and that Omni automation site we've been talking about throughout the show. Uh, like I said, we're the Automators. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. You can find the forum at talk.automators.fm. And uh, anything I missed, Rose?
1: Thank you to our sponsors for this episode, Pingdom, HREFs, and ExpressVPN.
0: We'll see you in a few weeks.
1: Goodbye, everyone.